Hello everyone, let's rock! I'm Ashley and I'm joined as always by your friend and mine, Molly. Hey, hi, it's me, Molly. We've got Luke with us. We're, I'm from the Birds Are Always Podcasting. That's right. Arms bending backwards and shit. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing here. What is no. this? <laughs> I, I did have like a thought of like how difficult would it be to like do their whole thing of recording you know, then reversing it, then remembering the reverse, and then... I'll right. tell you, probably pretty difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, is that worth enough to do a joke for the intro of this podcast? And no, it wasn't. <laughs> that, that I would just be dismayed about because there are no subtitles on you? Yeah. 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 I've seen footage of actors, like, uh, rehearsing the backwards stuff where they were just like... I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say it. There's some backwards talking in season three, and it just actors, like trying to just phonetically read their backwards lines into their phone where they have an app that'll just reverse the recording so they can listen back and tell if they did a good job or not. And that God. sounds hellish. That sounds awful. Yeah. Uh, Twin Peaks, baby. Twin Peaks, baby! Hope, hope y'all are watching the apps before we start talking about them. Yeah. Um. But also, I don't know what to tell you. This is like... Is one of the most famous episodes of TV ever, so... Is it? Yeah! I had no idea. Genuinely. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I feel like... And I don't know, I haven't gone super deep. I think Twin Peaks was popular from the beginning, but then this episode hit, and this is when it, like, became a mega hit, you know? Sure. That it, makes sense. Yeah, like, popularity-wise, the Twin Peaks star burned very bright, very fast. And then, like the season finale hit and didn't reveal who the murderer was, which I guess everyone thought it was going to, and everyone got really mad. <laughs> yeah. Truly, truly following up the prisoner's legacy. Yeah, uh-huh. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the original idea for Twin Peaks was they were never going to explain who the murderer was. Beyond telling you in the credits that it's Bob. Yeah, that is Killer Bob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, sorry, their idea. Sorry to everybody who's avoiding us saying who the killer is because we're just going to keep doing this at this point. It is point. in the credits, and I. Well, that's at the end of the episode, so we'll talk, get more in depth. I think you can start to understand why I was saying it's maybe more complicated than you might think, right? Yeah, because it's freak shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's freak shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the idea was they were never. It was just going to be an unsolved murder that turned into a cold case, and it was just going to be about this town with just this, like unhealed communal trauma and the way it just affected them as their lives just went on. And the Laura Palmer plot would just kind of fade into the background and maybe pop back up from time to time. 
and they would maybe in the last episode finally tell you who did it, but they were iffy on even doing that until everybody got really fucking mad and the network made them reveal who the killer is. Damn. Yeah. Foolish. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Nobody understands how good stuff is. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Um... Luke, do you stop talking about Twin Peaks. What did you okay, do yeah. this week besides <laughs> Twin Peaks? Well, uh, I have got a few vacation days from work, so that's nice. Nice. Um, because you I need have, those. Yeah, I had too much PTO because I never take days off. And my boss was like, yeah, take some fucking days off because you will lose that if you don't do it by the end of the year. Yep. Like, All right, cool. Um, you got it, boss. Yeah. So I... Got off on Monday for like, woo, five-day long weekend, yeah. And then on my way home, my check engine light came on in my car, so that's that, was a fun, <laughs> that was a fun way to start my little mini vacation. That doesn't turn on. Don't worry about it. It's not real. Well, yeah, 500 Thank- bucks later, it was pretty real. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. What happened? What's wrong with your car? Some valve had a leak in it or some shit they had to replace because it was leaking like exhaust fumes into the engine. Mm-hmm. It sounds fake to me. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what else have I done? Um, been playing more Returnal, trying to finally like beat that. I got to a point in that game, hmm, I have not finished Returnal. Am I allowed to give mid-game spoilers for Returnal, do you think? I kind of want to play it at some point. All right, then I'll shut up. <laughs> I do. Listen, listen, the only thing stopping me is the $70 price point. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> oh, speaking of, Luke, do you know what went on sale today for $7? It was Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, so Fuck I have yeah. that now. Hell yes. Can't wait for you to play it and be underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day I'll play it. We'll see what happens. And then I'll just be like, oh, yeah, that's fair, I guess. That's fair. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. It was a real tour de force when it came out, but. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, I think sometimes when you hear a lot about, like, this thing is so fucking good, you got to try it. There is, I, I definitely have this reaction of, like, well, I'll be the judge of that, and uh, I yeah. will now be on guard to point out all the ways in which it is not as good as you're saying it is. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I walked into Revengeance, I think, even before a lot of people had like told me, like, this fucking game is the best. Yeah. And I'm like, this game is not that great. Yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, I have friends that say it's the best Metal Gear, which I think is wrong, but I get where they're coming from. Yeah. I think that just means you don't like Metal Gear that much. A little bit, especially because, like, on a story level, Revengeance... The story of Revengeance is kind of, like, just wagging its fingers at... Wagging its fingers? Wagging its nose? How does that saying go? What? Sticking its nose off? What do you wag at someone to make fun of them? Wag your finger. Yeah, okay, what... No, that's like when you're, like, scolding them. I'm thinking, like, thumbing your nose. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, all right. (laughs) Kind of thumbing its nose at the entire concept of Metal Gear. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's always been my interpret or like my vision of it. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. play Metal Gear, so right, right. It's very funny. I'm gonna play this before any other Metal Gear thing. I said it's uh, some people say it's the number one Metal Gear. I'd say it's at least top three. Like, if you're gonna play one, there's worse ones to play. <laughs> uh, what? Where does Bayonetta rank on this? <laughs> <laughs> I would say Bayonetta is not a very good Metal Gear game. Okay, just checking. But you know. Pretty excellent in its own right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also played some um, Solar Ash. I don't know if either of you have seen that one. What the fuck? Where do you come up with this shit? <laughs> 
Is it just because you listen to Waypoint? Is that what? No, Solar Ash is a game I've been waiting on for a while. It's uh, the, the new game by the Hyperlight Drifter. It's, it's oh, okay, new... Hyperlight yeah. Drifter, guys. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like Hyperlight Drifter very much, so I liked it, but I never finished it. Playing Solar Ash kind of makes me want to go back and finish it finally. I don't think it's as good as Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah, that's fair. It is. Um, the basic idea of it is that you are like you're a void runner, and that means you're like a cool alien astronaut with. Like laser roller skates. That no, I'm not gonna sick. lie to you. That does sound like it's the opposite of a hyperlight drifter. <laughs> Little bit, yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> but uh, there is like a giant black hole that is threatening to consume your planet. So you and your fellow void runners are like diving into it to try to like activate this machine that'll destroy the black hole before it can kill off all your you know species. Okay. Um, and like inside the black hole, it is just sort of this mishmash of like. Every planet that's ever eaten all kind of collided together. Um, it's a little like saying it's like Mario Galaxy is maybe giving the wrong impression. It's got curved surfaces with gravity, is what I mean by that. You know what I mean? <laughs> there is platforming yeah. on spheres. <laughs> Just like in real life. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I was pretty into it at first. It plays... It reminds me of a PS2 game in, like, a good way. Like, it seems like the kind of game you would have gotten for 20 bucks that you never heard of anywhere, and then it was actually really cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, My biggest problem with it is that, like, I'm on either the last section or, like, the next to last section, and it just kind of never, like, built on itself at all. Like, I'm still kind of doing the same shit I was doing in the first level, and it's... It was fun at first, but it's kind of getting old. That's fair. Yeah. Um, it's really neat, though. Uh, you know, it's 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 cool. I like the art direction of it a lot. It's a lot of, like, do these, uh, like, platforming challenges with your cool laser roller skates uh, to activate all the, like, you know, markers that brings a big boss to life who is made out of, like, it's a big monster that's covered in, like, plates of armor that have platforms and grind rails on them so that you can sort of, you know, skate up them to attack their weak points. Yeah. Like if every Shadow of the Colossus boss was also a Tony Hawk level. That's a great description of a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, the boss fights are definitely the best part of it. Um, You know, like I said, the main thing is just like, after you do the first two or three, it kind of starts to run out of steam, uh, but the game keeps going anyway. Yeah. Sorry, what'd you say? Oh, no, I, I just meant to say that uh, when, when they give you the fourth one of those, you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, like, col- hidden collectibles uh, all around the environment, except the controls feel like they're built for those sort of precision platforming moments that where you're trying to, like, speed down this network of grind rails or whatever, and wandering around looking for audio diaries just doesn't feel like what the game should be about. And yet, that's a lot of it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, not a bad game. Kind of cool. Not as good as I was hoping it would be. That's fair. Um, I also just finished watching The Matrix Resurrections, but I'm gonna do a whole fucking podcast about yeah. that, so... You can't talk about it. It came out today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I liked it. It was alright. Okay. That's all I'm going to say for now for here. Tune in to MCU Complete Me Presents The Matrix Has You at Hello for more on my opinions about The Matrix Resurrections in a few weeks. And other Matrix films. Yeah, yeah.
Uh, great. Okay. Uh, Ashley. Uh, hi. I uh, have been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, and mainly have been getting into uh, the town building stuff. Mm-hmm. I uh, accepted a, a lesbian Viking into my crew, so everything's going up, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything's about right. I, you know, watched uh, some some movie. Okay. Uh, what what movie fact, did you watch? I was trying to figure out if. Uh, okay, I watched uh, The Beast Must Die, which is a werewolf movie that, like, opens up with, like, can you figure out who the werewolf is? Oh, sure, okay. That sounds fun. It, it's fun. Um, and then, like, 70 minutes into this, like, 80-minute movie, they were like, now is the werewolf break. Is it, you know, bub bu- bu- bu? <laughs> Uh-huh. Um... I'm sure it's really fun to watch with, like, a group of people. There's a dude who walks around, like, the, the main plot is uh, Hunter invites a group of people to his mansion, knowing that one of them is a uh, werewolf and wanting to hunt uh, the most dangerous game, werewolf. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's that's a man on another level. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... At one point, he goes from his, like, satin, like, black satin robe uh, into, like, a black leather, like, jumpsuit with, like, a jacket. Uh, The pictures you posted, that man is looking fine. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And, like, just, like, with a machine gun to go, like, hunt this werewolf. (laughs) Let's fucking go. Um, I watched Cannonball Run. Okay, that's a movie I've heard of. Yeah, it's, like, apparently based on a real kind of race. Uh, and so you can find a lot of movies that are named variations of Cannibal Run that aren't related to this one at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's Burt Reynolds, Don DeLuise, Jackie Chan shows up for, like, a minute. And that's kind of why I was interested in seeing it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, like, oh, it's the first, you know, American movie to feature Jackie Chan. Um, I don't really remember a lot of it. There, like, it's it's kind of like a feels like it should be over the top comedy, but it just kind of isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of racist and like everything just kind of everything that isn't like revolting just kind of falls away sure. like, after you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the most interesting movie I watched uh, this past week uh, was Palm Poco. It's another movie I've heard of. Yeah, so this is uh, Studio Gilby, the, you know, most famous for their Miyazaki movies. Mm-hmm. Um, have another kind of legendary director, uh, which is Iso Takahata. Um, he did Grave of the Fireflies, Princess Kaguma, uh, mm. Kaguya. Um, his movies are a lot sadder than Miyazaki. <laughs> yeah, I have not seen Grave of the Fireflies, but I read the synopsis of it and it was an emotional wreck for the rest of the day. I don't think I can handle watching Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, like every, like one of his things that like I hear about, it's just like, <laughs> oh, and then of course it is just a horrifically depressing 
story. Yeah. Um, and also that he is um, an extreme, like, even more so than Miyazaki, like, an extreme perfectionist who he has admitted that uh, the likelihood that a co-worker of his who died from an aneurysm was caused by him has a good possibility of being true. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and, you know, there's discussions to have about the working conditions of Gilby. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to get into it right now. Um, but, yeah, Pompoko, it's about a bunch of Tanuki, uh, you know, the raccoon spirits, or raccoon dog spirits, I guess, but we just kind of... They're technically a different species than raccoons, but... They just kind of look and act like raccoons, so we're just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the that can transform and have noticeable testicles, and that's kind of the main thing everyone always says from this movie <laughs> is like a lot of testicles, <laughs> and it's a lot of testicles. <laughs> yeah, I heard they swing those nuts. They swing those nuts. <laughs> if I know anything about those movie or that movie, yeah, it's about the nuts. Uh, but it starts off as these like two warring uh, tribes of raccoon uh, of Tanuki who are fighting over land, and then a as humans start in, uh, coming in and start developing a. First, a like neighborhood, like a suburb, and then like a city. Uh, they start to try to fight back against uh, humanity, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where it's like it's obviously very much environmental movie, um, but just saying that it is like an environmentalist movie, I think, like doesn't get out what it's fully doing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot about colonialism. Uh, there's a lot about uh, violent protest versus peaceful protest. Um, like, very early on, uh, some of the Tanukis cause accidents that straight up, and like they say, kill three people. And they celebrate this. And it's like then like discuss whether it, it's good to celebrate this uh, like whether it's more like whether this is something that they should just be happy about, whether it's something that they should feel shame about, but it's like something they have to do, or mm. if it's something they can't do at all. Um, and it just has like a, a thoroughly devastating ending. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of weird choices in it, though. Um, it's narrated like a documentary. Oh, weird. Like, there's, like, a constant, like, narration going on. Uh Uh-huh. And it honestly, like, that, like, it's, like, explained to you stuff, like, you know, like, well, like, you know, this guy, like, you know, he's going to, you know, he's thinking about this. And it honestly felt like something that they added in, like, that, like, Disney was, like, like, there's too much, like, silence in this movie. You need to add this in. But 
it's not. It's in the original. I watched the original Japanese dub, and it's just... Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of feel like that robs some of its moments where it, like, it's already getting a, across its themes very well. <laughs> right. And then, like, having a character just, like, say, like, hey, this is the theme of the movie. <laughs> sure. It's like, eh. And also, it's, like, two hours, and, like, probably you could cut 20 minutes of it. Um, but, yeah, it is still a, a really great movie. I, I will have to, once I am emotionally re- ready, <laughs> uh-huh. watch Grave of the Fireflies and Princess Kaguya. Yeah. Molly. Yeah, what's up? What do you? What have you been doing? Other, I, I think I know, but <laughs> you you do. Uh, I beat Final Fantasy fourteen and Walker. Great. How was that? It was fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of thoughts about trying to tell a single player story in an MMO. Hmm. <clears throat> and the. The trying to pin emotions on your character that cannot be communicated by you to the characters, like the the implication that your main character that you have been playing has sacrificed something to help these people, uh-huh. uh huh, always feels very strange in an MMO where I'm like, I mean, I sacrificed $15 this month to play the video game, but that's about (laughs) the long and short of it. Like, um, and maybe people who are like more minded to do more role playing than I am, uh, are like, get more out of this. But I do think that this type of video game is not like, I like a lot of, no, that's not even true. I like, like, one Final Fantasy XIV story. <laughs> There's, like, six of them. I like one of them. Um, And I don't know. I, I just think an MMO is not the place to do this stuff. But clearly I'm fucking wrong because everybody right. eats this shit up. So I, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard tell it's the best Final Fantasy. Yeah, people who say that haven't actually played a different Final Fantasy, I don't think. <laughs> I, not to be rude, uh, right. there's there's a number of those. Yeah, uh, people don't even like Final Fantasy Nine, and I think it's probably a better story than Final Fantasy Fourteen. There's people that like Final Fantasy Nine. There are. I'm one of them. I'm one of those people. I understand yeah. this. But the thing, I just, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. Much like much like uh, my reaction to Undertale's, I feel very broken because I'm like, what are you guys getting out of this? I don't understand. Uh huh. Where, I mean, I think the gameplay in Final Fantasy XIV is uh, good shit. I like playing MMOs, believe it or not. It, sure. I think they're a fun type of video game to play. Sure. I like doing a rotation. Uh, I I like it when you get to swing a big scythe at a guy. I think that's great. I think that's a good time. Yeah. Uh, I like to accidentally jump off a cliff in the middle of a raid, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then go in the chat and you go, oop. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I I played Final Fantasy 15 earlier this year, and people fucking hate that game, but it's so much better than Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> It's so much better. It is so much more... I I won't say it's more coherent. It's not. But it is... 
you don't have to play it for 160 hours to get the emotional beats out of it, right? Uh-huh. Like, the reason Final Fantasy XIV hits is because you've been playing it for 10 years. You right. are, yeah, you are deeply invested in the thing. And you shouldn't have to have that for a good story to be told. And I honestly don't think the first. I think the base game of Final Fantasy XIV is a bad story. I think Heaven Sword is a bad story. I think Stormblood is a dog shit story. Uh, and then Shadowbringers is pretty good average anime. Uh huh. Which, listen, pretty good average anime hits. Yeah. Like, I, you, listen, you know this about me. I love the power of friendship. Sure. Who doesn't? That's great. Who, who, <laughs> who doesn't? Um, and, you know, Endwalker, I feel like, is more, more or less more of that, which, is, you know, is a strength because uh, they, that's the story they probably should tell. But it mm. is so weird for somebody to, like, look at my character and it's like, wow, you've given up so much. And I'm like, I really haven't. I really have not. I cannot stress enough that my character in this game has no ties to anybody besides, like, the main party characters. Yeah. I, yeah, I also think, like, MMO storytelling is just extremely hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, listen, I don't envy the people who make these games. Like, don't... I, I wouldn't want to do it. I couldn't do it. Right. But... I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, the only reason people are really into these and like the dress up is great, but I don't know. I think people just like it because they get to play a game with their friends. And that's why I'm playing it right now. I get to play with Pris and that's that's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if you think this is like the best Final Fantasy or one of the great video game stories, I guess you might be right. There's not that many good ones. So... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Sorry to be mean about Final Fantasy XIV and Walker, but uh, sure. I don't know. I read some good books this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 basically where I'm at. Uh, and then I also have to play Dragon Age Origins uh, next week. So fuck me, I guess. <laughs> Fucking hate journal updated. <laughs> <laughs> a trick that you true. played on yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's not true. I love doing journal updated with Nora, but my god. Uh-huh. Every time I have to think about Bioware, I just want to set myself on fire. Yeah. I, we had like a ice-breaking question at work today of uh, what your favorite spaceship was. And someone and like everyone a bunch said of people, the Normandy. Yeah, a bunch of people said the Normandy. I'm like, just like mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a cool spaceship. Admittedly, the spaceship is pretty cool. Yeah. It's not the spaceship's fault that Mass yeah. Effect sucks. Yeah, it's not the spaceship's fault that it's stuck in Mass Effect. Yeah. Yeah, but then you fuck the spaceship. You can fuck the spaceship later. That is true. Wait, can you? Edie. Sure, but can you fuck Edie? I think so. I thought I thought Joker fucked Or maybe Edie. she's stuck with Joker. Yeah. That might be what it is. I, I don't, don't know. think you can romance fact, Edie. But the fact Joker's that the trick. ship does fuck Joker's yeah. trick, yeah. Very true. Anyway, Twin Peaks. I want to talk about something good now. Let's talk about Twin Fucking Peaks. <laughs> uh, Season yeah. one, episode three, Zen or the skill to catch a killer. Yes, that's what we're talking about this evening. Luke, please. <laughs> yeah, we open on a quiet and uncomfortable dinner scene with the Horn family. Uh, Now, this part where nobody says a fucking word and they're Uh all just silently eating together for probably a good minute 
Yeah, I just, just like, like over the entire opening credits. Yes, I just like looked at Press and I was like, this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever watched. Uh-huh. <laughs> my skin wants I'm going my skin is going to crawl off my body. Yep, they're all just quietly eating. Uh yeah, Johnny is still wearing his like Indian war bonnet. Yep. Uh and everyone is just kinda <sighs> It's not even that they're visibly uncomfortable. It's just that, like, yeah, no, talking's not what's going to happen today. No, we don't talk to each other. That's not what uh-huh. this family's all it's about. It's also, it made extra weird, like, when it's, like, you see the Great Northern, it's, like, it's still bad, but more understandable that it has, like, all this, like, native imagery art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's just, like, when you realize that the Great Northern is, like, part of their fucking house. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty it, weird. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, finally, after an eternity <laughs> trapped in this moment, uh, the silence gets broken as Jerry Horn, uh, Ben's brother, who we haven't heard about until now, comes bursting in with a bunch of uh, like luggage guys, like Bill Hops, bringing all his luggage into the dining room. Yeah, and he's mad at them because they were gonna bring it to his room. But he's like, no, 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 bring it in here. And then they all walk in here, and they're going to set the stuff down. He's like, not there, right there. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? There's sandwiches in there. Yeah. Uh, ben is not, like, like super jazzed to see his brother, but he's like, oh, hey, Jerry, how's it going? Ben's wife fucking hates this man. Yes. It's, he comes in with those fucking sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got such a look. He's got sunglasses, uh, a dress shirt, suspenders, and a bow tie. And, like, that big jacket when he walks in. Yeah. (laughs) Is this guy... Is this also Flock of Seagulls hair? Kinda, yeah, a little bit. I feel like it's close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting there. Yeah. Um, But he, uh, you know, open all the bags. He doesn't even really do anything other than say hello (laughs) before uh, Sylvia Horn just starts yelling at him. She just goes, Benjamin! (laughs) Like, yeah. You immediately get the sense that she just fucking hates this man, and the idea that he would walk in on their dinner is like a grave insult. And Even they though were they all doing hate each so other. much. Yeah. yeah. We are all surviving this dinner by not talking, and now your goddamn brother is talking. Yeah, well, he is talking a lot, to be fair. He's talking um, a lot. He's been in France, and uh, he's brought home... A treat for everybody. Well, no, not for everybody. For him and no, his brother. It's for him and his brother. It's a baguette with brie and butter, and he had four of these goddamn things every day he was over there. He says, you've got to try this sandwich. It's a baguette with brie and butter. I Listen, I'm not going to wade into sandwich discourse, but I think you've got to have more than those two things on bread to be a sandwich. That's this two is condiments. just cheese and bread. You put, yeah. I I ended up watching the binging with Babish where he makes this. <laughs> Seems it like it'd good? be a quick thing to make unless you're making the cheese. He makes the bread. Okay, that's fair. Um, you know you gotta have a fucking baguette though. Like I'll bet it's good. It's just fresh bread and fresh fancy cheese. It probably tastes good. It's probably great with yeah. butter. My God. Listen, it's so great you can eat for a day. (laughs) So he he unwraps, like, the saran wrap on one of these and hands it to his brother, who just immediately kind of, like, pushes the dinner he was already eating aside. 
and bites into this sandwich uh, like a madman. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> he bites into this baguette from the middle. What the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> Wait, no, he, I like the part where he smells it. Where he just like rolls yes. it under his nose and he's like, oh yeah. Oh, he yeah, does also run it under his nose, yeah. Yeah. He's he like, oh yeah, this smells is, it and I'm then yeah, bites it in the middle like a fucking psychopath. But Jerry, to his credit, is eating it like a human being. He's eating it from the end. Yeah. And he just like goes and sits in front of the in the front of the fire. And yeah. uh, Ben, who has not swallowed one bite, takes four more bites, uh-huh. and he's just like, "This is fucking incredible, Jerry." He's like, "No, this is no why where we like this Jerry Like you can't understand him at all. No, it's it, so good. We were talking, you know, a bit before uh, we started recording. How uh, the the differences between and similarity between the starting scene and the ending scene, yeah, both have things that are technically hearable English, <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of do need subtitles for them. Yeah. Uh huh. And, uh, Molly, you linked a video in our group chat earlier of uh, the actor that plays Ben, like years later, talking about this scene. Where, yeah. He did not really grasp that Ben was supposed to be... like He was like, okay, he's just like a slimy businessman. I get that from the first two episodes. And he did not get that the whole joke of this scene was he was shoving way too much fucking food in his mouth and you couldn't understand his lines. So he had to do this scene like ten times before he finally took a big enough bite to make David Lynch happy. Yeah. I, I understand why he was confused here. Yeah. Uh, because this is not behavior that any that anyone truly <laughs> would ever do. Yeah, that anyone would do, and it's also definitely a side of this character we haven't seen before. Yes, this man's yeah. a freak. He's I, a freak, and we definitely get the sense like his brother brings out something in him that is not otherwise there. Yeah. Yes, I. A lot of people say that the scene at the end, the you know the black lodge red room scene, uh huh, is like. This is when you're in or you're out on Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. I think it's this scene. <laughs> I think it's this whole episode. There's so much weird shit in this episode, and, like, each scene is weird in a different way. Uh, and every single scene, I was progressively yelling more louder, Yeah! Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely, when you said that you liked this scene, Molly, I was like, okay, we're gonna have a good time, I think. <laughs> we're gonna have a good time. Uh, at some point during this scene, you also catch on to the fact that their fucking names are Ben and Jerry. They're Ben and Jerry! <laughs> because this is a good TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> now... This motherfucker, Ben Horn, obviously one of the worst humans who's ever existed, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but also, <laughs> he does... Ha- hey, hey, uh, Jerry, get, we're gonna leave now. Uh, hey, uh, wife, always a pleasure. Love doing this. I'm gonna go eat this fucking sandwich and get on a boat. Bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Ben is an evil piece of shit, but he has so much fun being an evil piece of shit that it's hard not to like him a little. He's having a great time. Audrey He's having is like, a great time. Audrey's like, damn, my dad's weird. And then uh, Audrey's mom is having a fucking breakdown. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, but Ben then explains to Jerry that they lost the Norwegians. But he says, for- oh, yeah, uh, uh, Leland's daughter got murdered, and also we lost the Norwegian deal. And 
Jerry doesn't even hear the bit about the murder at first. Yeah. He's like, we lost the Norwegians? We had them by their Viking helmet. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had those Vikings by the horns. Excuse me. And he's like, what happened? And yeah. Ben is like, I, you know, I don't know. They took the translator with them. And Jerry's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Did, did I think I missed. Did you say something about a, a death? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you say Leland's daughter was murdered? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, shame. At least I got the sandwich, though. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, oh, I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then he lets him know that he's got good news because there's a new girl at One-Eyed Jack's. Fresh Freshly from the perfume scented. counter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which we've heard about the perfume counter before. It's where Ronette worked uh, mm-hmm. at a part-time job. Yeah. So I um, guess she was doing this? Yeah, we're kind of starting to get a little bit of a picture of how like this creepy underground sex trade goes in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, Jerry remarks that all work and no play makes Ben and Jerry dull boys. That's, uh, that's true. And, uh, Jerry, or Ben does say you got a 50-50 shot at being the first one to fuck this girl. Uh-huh. So gross. It's the nastiest yep. shit in the world. Yep. And then they hop in a speedboat to go to One-Eyed Jack's, and we'll check. <laughs> Which, is it Canada? Yes, it... Twin Peaks treats Canada the way most crime shows treat Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I, like I it wish- is just an unbelievable den of <laughs> crime un- inconceivable in America. Yes. You cannot believe the kind of rancid shit they get up to in Canada. I wish that it had a different tint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so- what color would you uh, like? Canada re- filter. Redo all of the like, Canadian like scenes to show blue. it's evil. Blue? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've said this before, but one of my favorite bits of cont- the movie Contagion uh, is the fact that the only thing that is, like, yellow-tinted in this movie that, like, goes, you know... All around the world is uh, fucking Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> that's because that's where the syndrome is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I'm like, uh, as far away from Ben and Jerry as possible in every way, we have uh, Donna and James having a nice Christian dinner at her Donna's parents' house. Yeah, it's still that same night, it appears. Yeah, yeah. Most Twin Peaks episodes pick up either immediately where the last one left off or, like, the following morning. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, James is still here in his nice sweater. Doesn't look like the worst human who's ever lived right now. Yeah, again, he's more in his element than he is when he's trying to be a cool biker. Yes. yes. Uh, but, you know, uh, Donna's parents, are you going to come to church with us tomorrow morning? Uh, and he's like, yeah, I could, <laughs> I guess. Oh, no, I thought they were asking Donna, like, hey, Donna, remember, you got to come to church with us in the morning. So, you oh, know, I thought they were. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, like, I think it's a gentle Donna. way to be like, hey, don't stay up all night making out with this boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to answer because to Jesus, Jesus in the morning. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. He sees you when you're sleeping. Uh-huh. He knows when you're awake. But on the same I, hand, they also uh, say, well, we're going upstairs. Uh, have fun, you know? Yeah. yeah. I cannot imagine parents allowing this to happen. My mom, I was married at one point, and my mom was like, she can't stay in the same room as you. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, my parents were pretty conservative, and they, they still, like, listen, 
you know, we're not going to ask about what you're doing when you're watching TV in the basement with your girlfriend. Yeah. No, no, no. My no, my my mom was like, you are not going to be alone in the same room with her. Now, like, I did get yelled at when we were sitting on my bed together, not even doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> that was beds, a step too far for my dad. Beds are scary, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little too bouncy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, One-Eyed Jacks, huh? One-Eyed oh, Jacks, it is a, a casino slash brothel where all the, the sex workers are dressed up like sexy playing cards. Where are they getting these corsets? <laughs> <laughs> because Molly wants one. Yeah, I might need one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, except for the lady at the front who is a sexy sailor. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's true. But everybody else has like I, playing card themed outfits. It's incredible. Yeah. I could yeah. only think about how cold that woman must be. Oh, oh right. God. Yeah, like on it's the February river. in Canada. Yeah. yeah. You yeah, could use her to, like, you know, in like heist movies when they, like, trace something on the glass and, like, break it to, like, uh-huh. A bit of it out. You could use her currently <laughs> to do that. God. Uh, yeah. So, uh, they all they get in there, and then all these girls come out, uh, and then the I assume owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Black- madam. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, Blackie. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. Well, and also Jerry beforehand. Jerry's the the brother we're me- just meeting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry beforehand orders two scotch on the rocks, but like explains it to the bartender like she's the biggest idiot in the world. <laughs> uh-huh. I need two drinks, so I want a scotch on the rocks, and he's gonna have also he's gonna have a scotch on the rocks, and she's like, "So you want two scotch on the rocks?" And he's like, "Yes." Yeah. There's like next stop rocket science. Like she's yeah. a dipshit because yeah, he like, worded it stupidly. It, it's some real like like oh don't you know don't tire yourself out thinking, babe. Yeah, I'm uh-huh. I'm I'm horrible. Yeah, it's Jerry sucks in a very different way from how his brother sucks. Yes. Which I appreciate. Yeah, but Blackie comes out and Jesus Christ, Ben. Yeah, he just Corniest starts reciting Shakespeare to her. Yeah. Are we supposed to know who this new girl is? Uh, no, no. Okay. It's just the new girl from the perfume counter. I just wasn't sure if she was, like, somebody we had seen in town already. I, if it was, it was, like, a background character. I don't think so. Okay. Um, but yeah, you can definitely get the sense, like, the Horn Brothers are a big client here because they really roll out the red carpet for them. They bring all the girls out, you know, including yes. the new girl. I think the actress playing the new girl does a really good job of, like, she knows she is supposed to be presenting as sexy, but she's also nervous Very and nervous. scared. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah, like, it just fucking sucks. Yeah, it sucks real yep. bad. It's bad. Uh, they flip a coin to see who gets to fuck, uh, fucker. And uh, Ben wins, and Jerry's all bummed out, because this is the whole reason they came. But Blackie's like, Look, there's other girls here, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, did you see the other, like, ten women who all came out at the same time? Yeah, yeah. I, I got the feeling that he was just having to wait until he could go with her, the new girl. 
Mm-hmm. I which from, oh god <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> from the way oh, in which Christ. they are shitty in this sequence I get the impression that the whole quote unquote fun for them is being the one to break the girl in yes yes, yes. because it's disgusting uh huh I, I I think that is also the case but I especially because like we know from like Renette being from the perfume counter that these are teenage girls who are yes who probably not had sex before this yes. Um, it sucks so bad. No, but I definitely had, like, the thought that, like, that, like, oh, being number two isn't as good, but it's still worth it. I get you. Yeah, yeah. I, to feel like, and, yeah, it's, that adds another layer layer of grossness to it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's awful. (laughs) Bad people. Bad people. Uh, anyway, James and Donna... The thing about Twin Peaks is it's a nice small town, but it's got a bit of a dark side. No, this is not part of the small town. <laughs> you know what? That's true. This, We're is, out of... <laughs> this is up in Canada, the den of evil. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, James and Donna are, like, reassuring each other that it's not fucked up that they're making out after their friend died. Yeah, no, that's true. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. This is okay, right? We're not... We're not being weird, right? This isn't weird, right? This isn't weird. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, man. Just do it. Who cares? Right. Yeah, but I, I get being all like, mm. yeah. Oh, especially no, absolutely. When absolutely. She, yeah, especially when she died literally two days ago. Yeah, no, listen, I understand. Yeah. But, you know, they're they're getting over it. They're making out on the couch. Uh, meanwhile, Cooper's still working on that whistle. It's sounding good now. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cooper in his hotel room gets a call from Hawk where they give him some. Hey, I didn't know if you noticed this, but Hawk is played by a Native American man. Just in case you didn't notice, they let you know. The way he explains that Renette is still in a coma is that her body and spirit are still far apart from each other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Hawk also lets Cooper know that he saw the one armed man at the hospital, but he got away before you could question him yeah like it, it is like that is like the first time like we hear hawk speak mm-hmm. and it's yeah like you know very stereotypical like yeah. writing that like i i don't think like really fits even like within like what twin peaks is yeah, yeah, I don't think they do that that much with Hawk. They it, it they do it now and then, and it always sucks. But luckily, it's it's relatively rare. It, it just seems like Frost and Lynch just like like relying on this like like it's a, it's a trope that they couldn't like help themselves from doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also need to say that when uh, Cooper walks in and then blows his whistle, that he's finally finished. And does like a little And does that pose? It's the best thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing has been better than that. (laughs) Might I say again, da cinema. Da cinema. (laughs) Hey, uh, do you want to talk about the scariest scene in the show so far? Uh, uh, Which one? Leo with a shotgun? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. So real quick, yeah. That scene wraps up. uh, Cooper gets a knock on his door and a card scented with perfume that just says Jack with one eye uh, because someone's trying to clue him in about the brothel 
Um, but meanwhile, yeah, uh, out in the woods in the middle of the night, uh, <laughs> Bopper and Snake are going out to uh, do the, the drug deal they mentioned uh, last episode. Yep. There's supposed to be a football at the base of a tree with drugs which, in it for them to pick yeah, up. Which is the one that he was cutting up in the last episode. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I was right. It was for <laughs> drugs. Uh-huh. <laughs> you probably remembered when you saw this episode before. I honestly didn't. Fair enough. Uh, but as they're out there, like they're like, wait, no, there's not enough drugs in here. There's supposed to be more than this. And then Leo's out here <laughs> with okay. a shotgun and a flashlight. And just another dude. There's just another, another guy. guy standing in the back. <laughs> Fuck that! Yeah, Fuck they're like, wait, who's who's that standing behind that tree? Don't fucking worry about that. Yeah, you worry about me right now, because uh, uh-huh. you owe me ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like, it. They don't make it clear if Leo knows who that person is or not. No. Nope. Yes, he doesn't fucking care. Yeah. Or if he, yeah, even if he even knows what they're talking about, because he is here to mm-hmm. talk about the ten thousand dollars they owe him, because Leo needs a new pair of shoes. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, Bobby is just scared shitless because Leo fully knows that somebody is uh, sleeping with his wife, but he doesn't know who. And Bobby is just like shitting Bobby's his like, pants. Like, hey, do you know who? Hey, do you know who though? Hey, have yeah. you heard hey, hey, who's like, fucking have, your like, wife? Dude, but like, if you had like to name a person you think it is, yeah, like, uh-huh. did you do that? What would you say? Like, what do you say? Like, uh, do you think their name starts with a B? <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, but Le- yeah, the whole scene is just terrifying. Uh, I think Dana Ashbrook is the actor I- that plays Bobby. He sells the fear of it so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, love and all that, but I have no idea why you would knowingly cheat on the wife of Leo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand, yeah. like, deciding, like, okay, I gotta do some drastic shit. Right. But you can't do this, like, in-secret thing with Leo. It's You're going to end up dead. Yeah, I can understand yes. wanting to help Shelly get away from Leo, like, even if that is also pretty much just as dangerous. Yes. But this just seems like you're asking for trouble. This seems like, like a bat. Like, yeah, you're getting the worst of all situations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but then, uh, Leo makes Bobby go out for a pass with the, the drug football and, like, that part holds him at gunpoint yelling at him to go for a yep. pass. That part's so fucking scary. Yeah, uh-huh. Leo's a very scary man, is the thing. Yeah, he's Terrifying. very scary. I hate him. Uh-huh. I hope he dies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, he's really, like, the actor is really great. Mm-hmm. But at just being, like, really, like, it says something that he says Leo needs a new pair of shoes. Yeah. And it's still terrifying after that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, the terror kind of dips for a second because, like, well, that was kind of funny. Oh, never mind. I'm scared again. Nope. Yep. Which just, I think, like, makes all of his offsetting shit work better. Yeah, yeah. Uh,. And then, yeah, you get a lot of, like, uh, POV, like, handheld camera running through yeah. the woods with a flashlight. This show knows that 
showing uh, handheld footage of a camera running through the woods is always scary. Yeah, <laughs> always I, scary. As soon as that shot happened, I just looked up when did Blair Witch film. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Definitely definitely after this. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And then we cut uh, from that to maybe the goofiest scene in the uh-huh. episode. Because uh, Big saw Ed Ed's has got himself a grease mess. His hands are just covered in motor oil. I um, love this because I immediately went, oh, that's Ed. That's, you know that's Ed because I've seen this exact scene 400 times in my own home. Uh-huh, uh-huh. My yeah, dad walking like, inside just covered in grease. It's very, it's a very realistic scene, that last one. And then this yeah. one is the most, like, like what the fuck is going on? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Ed is covered in oil, his hands especially, and he's trying to just kind of, like, tiptoe inside to wash up. But he trips over Nadine's drape runners that are covered in cotton balls. Uh, and spills oil all over them and on the carpet, uh, infuriating yeah. her. She's, like, exercising with a rowing machine, and she just starts screaming at him as he just kind of, like, slinks off, defeated. Um, and then it turns... I guess Nadine has super strength. I'm so scared of her now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's so scared. she's so mad about this that she breaks the rowing machine, just, like, bending the steel bars in half. What the fuck, man? Yeah, because also she's like, you think that was an accident, what you did? Right, uh-huh. Yeah, she is like a petite middle-aged woman with one eye, and also she could break a man. Yeah. Yeah, It. the problem with Twin Peaks is everyone is worried that, like, if they try to divorce their person, they will have to try to kill them, and they cannot do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not from an emotional standpoint, but from, like, a physical standpoint. Right, yes. right. <laughs> Nadine will let Big Ed divorce her the day he can beat her in single combat. <laughs> um, then we get uh, one of those classics of the detective genre. Yeah. Uh, the Tibet, uh, Tibetan uh, detective scene. Yeah, they kind of, like, drag this out, because initially all we get in this scene is they're measuring out the distance of a glass bottle on a tree stump to, like, exactly, like, what is it, 60-some inches? It's 60 feet, 6 inches. 60 feet, 6 inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, no, I'm sorry. We have to talk about Bobby first. Oh, yeah, 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 because then we cut over to Shelly, who is uh, watching Invitation to Love, the soap opera within a soap opera. Yeah. That, that, That is another, like... Just because it's a thing I've he- like heard of, like, yeah. and it's a special fact that I especially like of of shows within shows. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, like this whole soap opera, they just filmed it for this. Yeah, late eighties, early nineties, fucking love to have a a thing within a thing. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Shelly with that detective movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thinking of like the fucking like comic book in Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, but Shelly is bruised up pretty badly from yep. last night with Leo. Uh, Bobby comes over. So, b- what are you doing, Bobby? <laughs> Bobby, oh, you are the dumbest boy, b- Bobby. <laughs> after after Bobby. the night you had, you're seriously going to go immediately over to Leo's house. 
And he was like, I just passed him. We have like 30 minutes. Like, bro, you do not know that. You are yeah. playing with fire. <laughs> like, even if you're if you're going to do this, because it's like if he doesn't know she's hurt right now, and obviously that like changes the focus of it once he finds that out, but if you're gonna cheat with Leo's wife, you wait until he's out of town on a on a fucking, you know, trucking journey. Yeah. 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 But yeah, he comes man. over and she tries to hide that uh, you know, she got beaten up by him, but he sees He's, like, weirdly rough with her in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, grabbing I, I, her face to look at the bruises. Well, he's trying to do the masculine I got you right. thing. But, yeah, it is still, I think, like, very much about, like... Yeah, like, that masculine thing. Like, it is still, like, ownership over her. Yeah, yeah. by grabbing both sides of her face. Right. Yeah. Like, she clearly does not want him to touch her right now, and he keeps doing it anyway until she just kind of gives in. Yeah, it is like he is probably like going to try to be just as controlling as Leo, or maybe not as much, but like sure. he's still trying to be controlling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he believes that he has the moral high ground on this. Well, because right. he probably he maybe won't hit her. Um, the most telling thing about this scene for me is if is when he says, "If this happens again." I'll kill him. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yes. Not, not, I'll, let him, I have, I'll give him a pass this time. Yeah, yeah. this time Everyone it's okay. Everyone gets them all again. Next time. Yeah, that's, that is the most telling part of the scene to me. Yeah. Fucking Bobby. Bobby. shit. Ed comes in to the diner to see Norma and lets her, lets her know about all the trouble he's in for the drape incident. Ed, you are so bad at hiding. You are fucking this woman. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, it is, but I, I also just like, well, I'm in the doghouse again. Won't be, yep. you know, not the first time, won't be the last. I like Ed and Norma a lot. They're, yeah. They're nice people, and they're nice together. Yeah. It's true. Like, they do a good job of saying, like, every time they're in a scene together, it's immediately like, oh, obviously these are the two people that should be together. Why aren't they? What the fuck happened? Yeah, what happened here? Ed, did you take out Nadine's <coughs> eye and now you have to pay her back by loving her, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then we get to the bulk of uh, Special Agent Cooper's, uh, you know, new crime-solving technique of Tibetan rock throwing. Uh, Lucy has set up a donut station out in the woods for everybody. This show Sorry. really does make me want donuts. <laughs> I just like that uh, he freshens, uh, Lucy freshens up everybody's coffee, and he takes one sip and spits it out and goes, oh my god, this is such good coffee, and also it's very hot. <laughs> it's so uh, good. And then he takes another big drink and then acts like he just took a shot of alcohol. Well, you know, listen, he, uh, he burns very his hot. mouth so bad on the first one, he can't feel it on the second one. And he's just like, <gasps> <sighs> uh, Anyway, Tibet. Yeah, I, he fucking, he's got a chalkboard where he wrote out a bunch of info about the, the Laura Palmer murder, but then he flips that over to be like, okay, first I gotta tell you about a country called Tibet. And I just Beautiful. love the shot, I love the shot of all the cops just like, looking at him, and then leaning forward in unison. This is, this is the E3 guys reacting to a fucking... <laughs> 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 they 
they they see the chalkboard at first as it is, and they're like, okay, okay, and then he flips it over, and they're you know they're doing the, the arms out, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. uh huh, uh huh. He, he gives a history of Tibet about how you know uh, Red China has invaded it, and you know the Dalai Lama, the spiritual leader of Tibet, was forced to flee. I, I, All that this stuff is, is like right, probably in the middle of the Free Tibet movement. Like, Absolutely, like, yes. And like, I, my understanding is maybe that political situation is more complicated than Twin Peaks says it is. I don't know fucking shit about it, so I'm not going to say I, anything. Yeah, a lot of geopolitical things are more complicated than it seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but after he had a dream. Yes, he became but, moved by the Tibetan I don't people's really, plight. Oh, right, right. He learned about Tibet in a dream, and now he cares about them a lot. And in the same dream, he learned a new detecting technique that he wants to demonstrate now. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if Dale Cooper knows a lot about Tibet. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. <laughs> he almost certainly does not. But no, yeah. He flips the chalkboard back over. He says... The day she died, Laura Palmer wrote that she was nervous about meeting Jay tonight in her diary, and today we are concentrating on those Jays. I thought we already knew that the Jay was James, because they met that night. (laughs) But what if it's not? I guess what if it's not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why would you be nervous about meeting up with James? Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But Uh, then I was like, oh, maybe it's the therapist guy, because he's a fucking creep. Right, it turns out that every fucking character on this show has a J name. <laughs> when you yeah, think I didn't about even, it. didn't even really get there until they started talking about it. I was like, oh, Yeah, okay. once they actually list them out, they're like, Jesus Christ, it's so many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and... Like, I guess she could be nervous because we kind of, like, have heard that Jane, like, she wasn't as into James as it, she thought she, or as she presented... And we also know yeah. that she was in a very distraught state of mind that night. Like you said, it sounded like she was having like a bipolar episode. Uh, but yeah, Cooper's uh, method here is that Hawk has a pair of oven mitts holding up a bucket of rocks for him. I guess so he doesn't taint the rocks with his energy. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I need you to wear the oven mitts for this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Hawk is just like, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, makes sense. Right. All the cops are just like, well, he's from the FBI. He, he is knows from what he's the doing. FBI. And, this yeah, seems Andy weird, has, but okay. Andy has to go walk over to uh, the bottle. But not too close. Yeah. Not too close. But he will uh, be there to And what they're going to do is uh, Truman is going to shout out the name of each uh, J person and their relationship to Laura. And then Cooper will throw a rock at the bottle, and the results of that will tell them something. He will say the they name never to say the what. rock. He does say <laughs> the name to the rock. That's he, true. Yeah, he whispers the name to the rock and then throws it. Uh, so, like, most of them miss with, like, Dr. Jacoby. It hits the bottle but doesn't break it, and that's important. Were you going to say something, Molly? Um... No, oh, I think you were just saying that he, they, he never actually says what he's trying to figure out oh, here. Oh, yes. He never yeah. actually says, like, what this is going to explain to them. Just that it's a detective technique. Yeah, like, I, I assume it's that, like, hey, whoever I break the bottle on, that's who we need to investigate. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, if he never makes it explicit, but I take the idea as, like, you know, somewhere deep inside me, my intuitive mind knows who the culprit is. And this is a way of, like, bringing that information out. So if I just think about each name, 
then like the one that's the right answer will give me the concentration I need to break the bottle. Dale Cooper is dredging the undertow. He's dredging the undertow 1000%. <laughs> I I love how Lucy has immediately just uh, like well the the purpose of all this is just to hit the bottle. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love Lucy so much. Lucy's She's just so the good. best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Okay, so, you know, I've only, I think, watched one or two more episodes after this. Yeah. Um, but one, my favorite Lucy moment is coming up later in this episode, and it's very small. Uh-huh, I think I know but, what it is, yeah. But it, it, it is so important to me. <laughs> yeah, I like her when they get to, like, Jack with one eye on the list, because he wrote that down from the card. And he learns that One-Eyed Jax is, you know, the the evil Canadian brothel. And she, you know, goes into Lucy mode. Where she's like, well, okay, so should I erase that because it's a place and not a person? Or is there maybe a person in that place that we should do? And Cooper's just like, nope. Okay, wait, no, it's not. No, like, he, yeah, he <laughs> just goes, yes. Right, like, yeah, yeah. Wait, does it mean that there's a person there or that I should erase it? Yeah. I like that Truman gets frustrated with Lucy and Cooper cuts him off like, no, 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 I get it. Listen, it's fine. No, no, she's right. She's right to be mad at me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, we're on the same wavelength. Uh, uh-huh. Andy, Andy gets hit in the head and he's like, it didn't hurt. <laughs> Andy getting hit in the head is the funniest thing that happens in this episode. <laughs> it's so funny. It hits the train, <laughs> then hits him in the head. He's like, "That didn't hurt." Oh, <laughs> and like, yeah, you can see himself like catch himself from falling over, and then like, just like, oh, <laughs> fuck, man, that he does hurt. such a good job, like acting, you know, the way you do when like you're trying to not show that something hurt. He's like, yeah, and it then, didn't hurt. Yeah, and then Harry, uh, Harry just makes fun of him. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't feel what don't have sense. <laughs> and, and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> Andy thinks it's actually funny. He's like, oh damn, good one. <laughs> Got me, boss. <sighs> but then finally, they get to the end of the list. Uh, the last person on the list is Leo Johnson, who, as far as they know, has no connection to Laura. But that's the one Cooper smashes the bottle on. So they need to investigate Leo more. They they very much do. Yeah, I mean, he does but, have that bloody shirt. Listen, they, it does end up being right with this. Yeah. There's an old, like, f- SNL uh, sketch from when this show was on that, like, the entire joke of it is, like, why the fuck is Cooper wasting so much time with a bunch of dumb bullshit? Obviously, Leo did it. Let's stop pretending like it could be anybody else. With hey, he doesn't see that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if you know how TV shows work, but the characters don't see everything that you right. see. Like the Which joke is really interesting because you're making rocks one. and hitting random shit and looking at that as like Leo is walking around soaked in blood with a murder weapon in his hands, <laughs> <laughs> and he just won't notice it. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Leo is uh, much scarier than that, and uh, unfortunately, much more subtle than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I do like the part where uh, Truman. Pulls Dale aside and is like, okay, so you you learned all of this in a dream. And he's like, yes, I very much did. And then Truman just goes, okay, keep going. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, One Night Jackson is specifically a casino. And so maybe the brothel is under the table. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I thought like it was like oh this is just a uh, like a brothel. <laughs> I no, I don't think when they get off the boat, like, Canada. oh, wait, we're not going to waste time in the casino, right? I'm here to fuck. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they figure out they need to investigate Leo Johnson, and then meanwhile, and the diner... Go ahead. Lucy's so excited, the bottle broke, and then she's like, oh, right, I gotta, like, fucking... Right, I gotta make a check mark. Yeah, yeah. Um, Donna and her family are at the diner after church. Uh, just, it feels like a very, like, oh yeah, I've had lots of these, like, after church, like, brunches, sure, I know this yeah. moment. Uh, and Audrey comes in and gets a cup of coffee at the counter, and After just kind putting of, on Twin Peaks, the, 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 the theme song, yeah. <laughs> uh, her, like, slinky, uh, you know, yeah, just weird Twin Peaks soundtrack music that she loves. She's got it on vinyl at home, and she's gotta put it on the jukebox at the diner. Is she the only one who could make it play? Didn't Bobby play a song? Oh, make the, the soundtrack play, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That's Audrey's <laughs> power. That's Audrey's power. She can make the soundtrack show up. Uh-huh. Uh, Donna kind of excuses herself to go say hi to Audrey, and they sort of just talk about, like, oh, hey, I saw you. My parents said that you were at church this morning. I didn't see you. And she explains that she kind of went... For Laura's sake, because she didn't like Laura very much, but she sort of helped take care of her brother, and she respects her for that. Yeah, like, it is, like, again, like, in all of this weirdness, like, moments of relatability and, like, realness, where it's, like, it it is, like, like, yeah, she's, it's nice to see, like, like, no, I'm not gonna act like I love Laura now. Right. (laughs) But, like... Even when I hated her, like, I had respect for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not like she was a bad person. Right, no, she was fucking tutoring, like, a special education tutor for Johnny, an English tutor for Josie, doing the Meals on Wheels program with Norma. She was just, yeah. Again, yeah, they, don't even know how she had enough time to do all the nice things she did. Oh, while cocaine. also apparently being part of, like, a criminal organization at night. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, cocaine. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Cocaine, you know yes. what? Yeah. That, that answers That's it. it. <laughs> um, it really makes Audrey more of a flushed out character. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, like, in, like, the first episode, she is like, I, like, I am the mean girl. <laughs> right. And, uh, this is when I posted, Audrey's a little freak and I love her. <laughs> yeah, she because then, yeah, she starts talking about how Agent Cooper loves coffee in the way that is clearly, like, she's trying to talk about how horny she is for Agent Cooper. Uh, and then yes. she gets sidetracked by the Twin Peaks soundtrack and just has to do her weird little dance again. <laughs> her weird little strung out dance where, like, she just lets her neck go limp and she sways back and forth. She's such a little freak. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, like everyone in the diner is just staring at her. It's it's great. They act like it's like oh, like this the teenage menace, <laughs> right? <laughs> Mostly, it's just odd. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, back at the sheriff's department, they found a bloody piece of cloth near the uh, you know crime scene. Yeah. And- I- I'm I'm sorry. Did no, you mention right that uh, Laura said, uh, or not? Uh, uh, 
Audrey said that did Laura ever mention my father? Oh, right, right, right. They do yes. sort of establish there was a connection between them. Uh, and talks like, yeah, he used to sing to her. And that's that's weird, and it doesn't go yeah. anywhere for now. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> just kind of, yeah, just throwing a seed out there. Uh, but, you know, after hearing, uh, you know, that she might have been involved in sex work. Right. Or that the person who was captured alongside her was involved in sex work. And that her dad deals a lot with, you know... Yeah. uh, Sex workers. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, Meanwhile, yeah, they're investigating some clues at the sheriff's department when the FBI forensics team shows up, led by Albert Rosenfield. Yeah. Um, He's not a nice man. I hope this man fucking dies. (laughs) How dare you? He's mean to Lucy, which is a bad way to endear yourself to to me. That's like, they know that's what will immediately, uh, like, get people angry, but... Lucy is reading a book about Tibet. Yeah, yeah. Roger Cooper's She's lecture earlier. Now she wants to learn about Tibet. She's the curious. biggest book. I like that uh, not only is she reading a book about Tibet, she's reading a book just called Tibet with no other information on the cover. It is atlas-sized. I, <laughs> I fucking love it. It's great. It is a book out of a cartoon. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's a curious person. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, yeah, Albert's thing, he talks very quickly and is very rude and gets angry when people don't, like, do what he asks them immediately or, like, take a second to process what the fuck he just said. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Dale warns Harry, like, okay, Albert is not really up on his social niceties, so, yeah. you know, bear with me here. He's, he's great at his job. He's kind of a prick, though. I Yeah, and I like how... Like, Lucy is immediately like, like, all right, let me cut Patch him in, and he keeps on spelling out his name. Uh-huh. And she's just like, what are you, like, Lucy, who's, like, the over-explainer, just be like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because every well, because, time she moves to the yeah, mic, Lucy he interrupts her. because she's worried you might not understand. Albert is over-explaining as a way to insult her intelligence. Yes. Albert uh, fucking die challenge. Uh, <laughs> Cooper uh, pinches uh, Harry's nose and uh, <laughs> I ship yeah, it. Hey, yeah, hey, what? Hey, <laughs> hey. When did these two start dating? Today? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. One of the biggest flaws in Twin Peaks is that Harry and Cooper never kiss. <laughs> Harry, uh, Harry, after he saw that Dale came up with this method in a dream, was like, well, we're dating, so I can't be mad at him about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and but yeah, as soon as Albert turns away, Lucy gives uh, him a quick uh, tongue out. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I love her. Adorable. Love her. She's perfect. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, they, Cooper, I love oh, that the other two FBI agents are just fucking like discount Agent Smith motherfuckers. I was gonna say they are just the other agents from the Matrix. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Cooper and Truman come out, and uh, Albert immediately just starts. Insulting the town, insulting the sheriff's department. He's mad at just everything that he had to come out here to this bullshit town to do this work. Cooper gives him the coroner's report he got last episode, and Albert's just like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is bullshit. All right, 
Well, we're pulling an all-nighter. Let's fucking go. They're burying this girl tomorrow. We gotta get this body cut the fuck up. And then Truman pulls Albert aside to say, like, hey, I hear you're really good at your job, and that's 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 good, because otherwise I would beat the ever-loving fucking shit out of you. I hate you so much. I'm sorry, what he says is... Yes, uh, Luke, say what he said. <laughs> Luke, say what he, he said. That anyone else talking this kind of crap about my town would be picking up his teeth three blocks up on Queer Street. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Press was like, you can't say that. And I was like, he's reclaiming it. I, no, don't you take that from me. <laughs> I said that. You said that? I said that. All right, okay, it's yours. <laughs> Yeah. He is reclaiming it. He is reclaiming. He is, he is He's reclaiming. He gets uh-huh. it. <laughs> <laughs> and Albert's just kind of like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> it's very funny that Albert is like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> it does immediately take the air out of Albert's balloon. Yeah. Which, you know, you don't need him to be like a villain or whatever. Sure. No. He's just an ass. Yeah. Uh, and Cooper just gives Truman a big thumbs up, which yeah. I like. And listen, his, his friends meeting, his new friends are meeting his old friends. Everything is going great. Yeah, yeah. Like, that went exactly as well as Cooper was expecting it to. Uh, bit b- by, uh, back at Big Ed's gas farm. Uh-huh, yeah, Ed kind of tries to sneak into the house to avoid Nadine, but she immediately hears him. And she comes charging at him like a wild animal, and he, <laughs> there is a moment of terror on his face. Before, instead of knocking him the fuck out, she just grabs him and hugs him super tight. She is going for a spear. Yes. <laughs> uh, but actually, she's thrilled because when he spilled grease all over her drape runners, it turns out lubrication is important in making something move quietly. Who could have known? Who could have known? She is so fucking jazzed about her drapes being quiet. I love that the actual secret to this scene is that she just opens them slowly. <laughs> and also, they just didn't put Foley in for the drapes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is we just so batshit how excited she is about something no human being has ever cared about. And she goes, Ed, we're going to be so rich. And he's like, uh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I... Okay, she is th- probably the character who acts the weirdest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we check in with Pete and Catherine, another happy married couple up at the, the sawmill mansion. And uh, Pete is just, like, polishing his boots on Catherine's bed. Uh, it's very funny that I didn't even realize that they had separate rooms. No, yeah, because it doesn't come up until now. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny because uh, the way you find this out is because, well, he takes a key and, like, hands it off to uh, Josie. Yeah. Uh, who's waiting, like, right outside the door. Um, but when uh, Catherine comes back in, she's like, get your fucking boots off my bed. Right. And it's like, like, oh, they're really bad. my sheets. Yeah, it ends with her, like, go to your room. <laughs> she yells at him to go to his room like he's a teenager. <laughs> I'm sorry, I like Catherine. <laughs> she Why? sucks. She's horrible. She sucks. She's awful. I think she's awful in a fun way. Uh, Audrey's my awful bitch of choice. Sure, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know if I would call Audrey awful enough to be like... 
She was the Joker before, so that's, that's where I'm coming from on this like, one. That, that's I true. absolutely want to see Catherine get her comeuppance, but much like Ben, I just find her a fun villain. No, she's too mean. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, She hasn't J- done anything funny yet. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like yelling at Pete to go to his room is pretty funny. <laughs> no, she's just mean. Pete's a nice man. <laughs> Pete is a nice man, but he's getting scolded like a teenager, and that entertains me. All right. Uh, Josie, like, uses the key to unlock a safe behind, like, a trick bookshelf because this is apparently a fucking Scooby-Doo mansion. Uh-huh. Listen, if I, I, was, if I was a fucking oil magnate or, or lumber magnate... Yeah. I, I would 100% do that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Josie discovers that there are two ledgers in the safe which have... Based on her reaction, very different sets of numbers. Oh. Uh-huh. Some kind of business intrigue is happening over there. Uh, uh, and then we check in with the Palmers. Bad time. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned last week, you got the sense that Leland was like trying to button up his grief because his wife was going through it so badly. And it, the dam burst for him this yeah. week. Yep. Uh, he is, like, fucking with a record record player. He's, like, trying to snap his fingers in time, but he's, like, too upset to do it right. And then yeah. he puts, like, a big band song on that has a bunch of telephone rings in it for some reason. Yeah. I thought the I thought the phone was ringing and he was ignoring it or something. Yeah, that's what I thought at first. But, yeah, no, this song, like, the name of the song is Pennsylvania 65000, which is, like, and that's how phone numbers used to be formatted. Yeah. I see. Uh, back when they could be shorter. Uh, I, it, it probably says something about me that I have heard this song not because of this. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, then he picks up uh, the photo of Laura they have. It's like her classic like prom queen photo and just starts spinning it's in circles slowly with it like he's dancing with her and just starts slowly screaming louder and louder until uh, Sarah comes running in upset and tries to take the photo away from him they fight over it and they accidentally smash it into uh like a coffee table or something and leland cuts his hand and just starts smearing blood over the photo as he sobs (laughs) bad fucked up yeah and sarah's just screaming what is going on in this house Uh uh-huh same. something fucked up is happening. <laughs> she seems like she is finally starting to get it together until his, re- like, what he's doing gets to her, and then she breaks down, too. Yeah. yeah. It's it's bad. They're not it's having bad. a good time over there. They seem nice. I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's they rough. They got blood all over Laura's photo. Mm-hmm. No good. Yeah, like, Leland is just yelling about how they have to dance with Laura or for Laura. It's just, ugh. Yeah, it's ugh. just sad. Yeah. Uh, and from there, we go to Cooper asleep in his hotel room. Dale Cooper's bedtime time. Dale Cooper's bedtime time where only normal things happen. Very normal things. You know, we heard about, you know, the Tibetan detective technique coming to him in a dream, and... Now we get a look at what things coming to him in dreams look like. I yeah. yeah he the, lo- why does he have old man makeup? So okay, all the footage from this dream sequence comes from when they first made the pilot. They 
wanted to release it as a TV movie overseas. And they were told, okay, well, if you do that, it needs an ending. Because it just kind of ends on a cliffhanger because it's supposed to go into another episode. Right. So they planned out, okay, here's the ending for Twin Peaks the movie. And what happens in it is they see the one-armed man and they follow him. And they interview him at the, the hospital. And all the shots of him talking into the camera are from that scene. As he just, like, says all this weird shit to them and tells him tells them about Bob, who is in the hospital. So they go down to the boiler room in the hospital where Bob is, like, making a weird mound around a circle of candles similar to what's in the train car. Uh, right. They have a scene with Bob where they shoot and kill him. And then from there, you get a title card that says, 25 years later, the Red Room stuff happens, and then you get credits. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. Uh, so then they just remixed all of that for this dream sequence. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, it starts off, we just see, yeah, Cooper in old man makeup. He is watching a, uh, you know, a little person shiver in the corner. Yeah, I, I was telling Molly that that, I feel like that is what... A lot of like eraser head is is someone like you hear weird noise and then someone like just turns to look at it and something fucked up happening in a corner. Yeah, that's definitely a lot of eraser head. <laughs> uh, you get like the scene of Sarah from the first episode running around the house looking for Laura in slow motion. Yeah, you get flashes of like Sarah's visions of Bob. Uh, and it's just, like, all this, like, weird, upsetting imagery kind of layered over each other until you get into, uh, Mike, the one-armed man, saying a fucked-up poem at you. It is fucked up. We said before there's nothing scarier than when a man looks at you, but I think when a man says a creepy poem at you might be worse. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Through the darkness of future past... The magician longs to see. I'm not going to say the whole thing because it's long. Yeah, it is long. Yeah, I, I, when I first posted about this, like, multiple people were like, I have memorized this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Man. it's a very iconic scene. Uh, yeah. He does l- say he does say the fire walk with me line. Right. And yeah. I was like, damn, okay. Mm-hmm. We lived among the people. I think you say convenience store. We lived above it. Uh, he says something about he got touched by the devilish one, and he had a tattoo on his left shoulder. Uh, but when he saw the face of God, he took his whole arm off to get yeah. rid of the tattoo. And then he says, my name is Mike, and his name is Bob. And we cut to Killer Bob, who does not, like, the way they use these shots, it does not feel like he is in a boiler room. It feels like he is trapped in this shot of him in a boiler room. Yes. Yes. Because he's, like, looking around the edges of the frame like he's trying to hear, like, he can hear Mike's narration and he's trying to figure out where it's coming from. Um, Bob is actually uh, currently stuck in a linking book from Myst, uh, and he's (laughs) trying to escape from it. Uh, And that's what this whole scene is. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and then he just looks into the camera and says, catch you with my death bag. Yeah, what the <laughs> Which fuck? is a thing I don't like to hear. What's I, a death bag? I do not want to be caught with a death bag. By the way, um, Killer Bob is my rap name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Catch you with my death bag. You may think I've gone insane, but I promise I will kill again. And then from there, we go back to the red room. The, uh... The guy in the corner, his, uh, I think his name at this point is The Man from Another Place. Yes. Uh, um, turns around and claps his hands in reverse and says, let's rock backwards. Well, backwards forwards. Right, right. It's a thing where they, they're, re- this scene is nuts when you think about the fact that every shot they're acting backwards and then playing the footage backwards. Yes. Wait, 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 What? Yeah, so what, yeah, they are doing all of the acting and, like, line reading in reverse. Like, if they're walking forwards, they're really walking backwards and then playing the footage backwards. That's how they do this scene. What the fuck? Uh-huh. Uh, Laura Palmer Bro, this is, is not, here. You can't do this. <laughs> it turns you out can't, you can. You can't do that. That's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, or at least someone that looks just like Laura Palmer is here in, like, a fancy dress, and the man from another place just rubs his hands together weirdly, like he just likes the sound of his backwards hands for too long. He, uh-huh. He's really into ASMR. Yeah, he's got, like, an all-red suit. There's, like, a weird shape just kind of gliding across the curtains in the background, because this this place looks like a talk show set. It's so weird. <laughs> This uh-huh. is the major inspiration for uh, the Eric Andre show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this looks like a talk show set in hell. Uh, and then eventually he says, like, I've got- yeah, I, I definitely yeah. feel like part of this, like, whole, like, the weirdness of this scene is going- Oh, like, oh, they're talking backwards, and then realizing, wait, no, they're not. They're talking forwards, because, like, I can hear some of the, like, words. Yeah, it's subtitled, because they're hard to understand, but they're clearly saying the words. Yeah, like, the first one you can really hear is uh, when the man from the other place says, Laura Palmer. Yeah, doesn't she look exactly like Laura Palmer? (laughs) Um, And this, of course, we talked about this with the prisoner. Um, and this is really, like, the crystallization of it, uh-huh. of using little people to make surreal art. Yeah, I was gonna say, it is a recurring thing with David Lynch, where he tends to use people with, like, non-typical bodies to be, like, supernatural beings. It it comes up in a lot of his stuff in a way that is, like, not the best. Yeah. Like, we've, like... The the other weird guy right now, we got the one-armed man, you know? Um, yeah. There will be more in Twin Peaks. There's more in, like, all of his stuff. And, yeah, it's, you know, eh. Okay, like, it is, when talking about, like, the weird native mysticism with Hawk right. earlier, it is a trope that he cannot, like, help himself from indulging in. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I, I think this character is now called the man from another place, I'm pretty sure they used to call him the little man from another place. Of course. And then they yeah. decided, eh, maybe maybe we can cut a word out of that and make it a little less... a little less shitty. Um, but, I don't know, this is a good scene, is the thing about it. No, yeah, it's it true. is. 
Yeah. And that gum you yeah. like is going to come back in style. Yeah. Uh, Kyle McCoughlin really is really not where I thought I would get this line. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, is really great in that just because like, but she is Laura Palmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She says this is my cousin, but doesn't she look exactly like Laura Palmer? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just going through every line of the scene, but it's a good scene. And, uh, and then I, I will continue with that. With yes, the the moment in this episode where I'm like, mm, like yours is like my death bag. Uh huh. The part no, that no, like, yeah, this scene, this line is also just like, oh god, like I that has like stayed in my mind ever since I first saw this. Is yes, I feel like I know her, but sometimes my arms bend back. It's such a creepy way to answer the question. <laughs> And We're just like, like but that, what does one have to do with the other? Like, I don't want your arms bending back in any circumstances, but what does your arms bending back have to do with whether or not you're Laura Palmer? But just like the way that, like, you know, the that she says it due to yeah. all the reversing and like the the movements that they are doing because you know it's it is reversed. It, it it's just all it's fucking creepy it just like puts me on edge yeah i'll say too um i think cheryl lee is her name the actress that plays laura palmer she's really good at the backwards talk like you almost don't need the subtitles for her um and yeah like this is it's one of those things where like when you're cast as like the dead person in a mystery yeah she she gets a lot of stuff yeah yeah uh, and then the man from another place just says, where we're from, uh, the birds sing a pretty song and there's always music in the air and more slinky jazz plays as like lightning starts going off off screen and he just gets up to dance. And, uh, yeah, yep. then, uh, Laura or not Laura, whoever this is, kisses Dale and whispers something in his ear and he bolts awake. Yeah. And the, like, upsetting, weird, like, just off-putting nature of this whole scene is immediately just, you're released from that tension because he's got the goofy cowlick because he didn't, like, rinse the hair gel out of his hair before he went right. to bed. It's so good. I don't feel like he dipshit. can rinse the hair gel. It is. <laughs> it's a part of him. It's like his venom. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, but he immediately wakes up and calls Sheriff Truman to tell him that he knows who killed Laura Palmer. But no, <laughs> it can, can wait, wait till morning. Lord. And yeah. then he just starts snapping along to the soundtrack because he's gained Audrey Horn powers from this dream. Right. Uh, and then the credits just play over the man from another place continuing to dance. He's fucking it up. He's yeah. tearing up the floor. <laughs> uh, good shit. Yeah. Good shit. The fucking cinema. The cinema. <laughs> and yeah, this is where we start getting Frank Silva credited as Killer Bob, which, um... Yeah. Yeah, so... I, I yeah, think we've had people in our Discord and on Twitter talking about this. Yeah. I, I think this we are just going to... This is the point where we're just going to freely talk about Killer Bob. Yeah, absolutely. And there will be a lot more to say about Killer Bob as we learn more about the the mystery. Because I think this episode really gets to what I've been, like, not wanting to say for a couple weeks now. Which is like, yes, 
Bob is the killer. What does it mean that Bob is the killer? Is Bob an actual guy? He's only appeared in dreams and visions people have had so far. He's stuck in a book. He's stuck in a mist book. Yeah. Is he like a weird... Is he an actual person people are seeing in like visions? Or is he some kind of weird spirit that's haunting the Palmers? Or is he just like a symbol of something? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, uh, we're going to take a long time to figure out the answer to that question. Yeah. But, yeah, we we are going to talk about Bob th- yeah. for the rest of this. Yes. Yep. Yep. Because, yeah, I mean, he literally, they, they basically tell you, yeah, Bob he, did it in this yeah, episode. Yeah, he says, I will kill again. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's really funny that the SNL skit does that yeah. when this is the same episode. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, because I think the way this is taken is like, well, yeah, he had a dream about a guy named Bob that said he did it. Like, that's okay. But what about, like, the actual evidence, like Leo's bloody shirt? Well, I don't care about your weird yeah. dream, weirdo. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, that's that's... Episode 3 of Twin Peaks. Do you guys want questions? Yeah! Yeah, let's do some questions. Uh, from No Tree Bijou, uh, can I get a 1 to 10 rating on how creepy each of you feel Ben Horn is at this point? Pretty big fucking creep. It's like a 7. Yeah. I would probably give him an 8. Yeah. I, yeah. I Listen, I understand that. It's, it's, it's low until it spikes very high in that brothel scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, from at Arcane Crystal, what's the best sandwich you've ever made for yourself or others? Ooh, interesting. I don't uh, make a... It's it's just turkey sandwiches every year after Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah that, turkey sandwiches are good. really great. I made a good sandwich a while ago where I it was like a breakfast sandwich, so it was two pieces of toast. And then I made two sausage patties with cheese and then made really runny scrambled eggs and just poured that over top of the sandwich and ate it with a knife and fork. (laughs) That was a good time. Damn. Yeah, uh, I think I made myself a real good, like, bacon sandwich at one point. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. we got a lot of, you know, is blank a sandwich questions, which I just don't think are interesting. No. It's just not if, fun. Sorry, everybody. If butter and brie can be a sandwich, then everything can be a sandwich. Uh, Juneberry cake, though, good question. Uh, what's your go-to sandwich order when you don't know what's good on the menu yet? Oh, hmm. BLT. Hits every time. I, I, I go with the grilled cheese. I probably go like a turkey bacon club. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to fuck up any of those, really. <laughs> yeah. I think that's sandwiches. They're generally hard to fuck up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, with uh, a grilled cheese, I feel like even if they, like, add some stuff I wasn't expecting... Yeah. It's not gonna, like, be, like, Ugh, enough for me to just be like, all right, yeah. <laughs> if you're making yourself a grilled cheese, do you fancy it up at all, ever? I... I sometimes do. I... You know, I'll throw in a tomato in there. I'll throw in yeah. you know, some bacon. But, like, there was, like, a, uh, like, 
food truck near our, uh, near my work mm-hmm. uh, that was a specialized in grilled cheeses. Mm-hmm. And people would make fun of me for just getting, like, a grilled cheese. That's oh, a good fucking of... sandwich. A grilled cheese. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Like, like, just, you know, bread, cheese, fucking yeah. melted. Yeah, and I remember I can... one time when I was up there for a PAX, we went to that one restaurant that was just, like, way too overpriced, but it was, like, gourmet grilled cheese. That was so funny. <laughs> I mean, was it was like a 10 good grilled cheese. I liked to cheese, eat it. <laughs> yeah, and, like... This wasn't ten bucks, but it's like it, it is definitely positioning itself as like really good, go- you know, grilled yeah. cheese. Uh huh. And so it's like, listen, this is just great bread, great cheese. Like you know, because when I when I get a grilled cheese, I don't want good bread. I don't want good cheese. I want shitty wheat bread, and I want a fucking like craft American single. Yeah, yeah. I I I get you on that. I definitely am into moods on that. Um. Right. But. Like, if when presented with it, I'm definitely like, yeah, this is like a nice change of pace mm-hmm. in my grilled cheese life. Yeah. For Matt Windman Jack one, what kind of radio show would Bob and Mike host? <laughs> <laughs> Car talk. Oh, God. <laughs> I think they would like host like a really late night, like. People calling in to hear, like talk about the supernatural shit they saw. That makes oh, sense. Yeah. I was imagining uh, Mike reading like love letters in his like firewalk with me poem voice, <laughs> and then Bob. He has descri- a nice voice. He's got a good voice. Listen, yeah, that actor, good. Uh, and then Bob responds by explaining how he would murder the person that sent the letter in. He, Bob Bob is the wild card. Bob's the, Bob's the funny man. Absolutely. Bob's the guy on the soundboard in the morning zoo. <laughs> God. Uh, that's it for questions. All right. Okay. Uh, Luke, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. Uh, you can find other shows that I do on Audio Entropy, such as uh, Idol on Playtest is the big one. Uh, it's an actual play RPG that I GM. If you uh, want to understand the references about... Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I forgot the <laughs> the term ah, that you guys created. That's what you get. Oh, oh, Dredging the Undertow? Dredging the Undertow. I wasn't going to give it to her. <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to let you hoist yourself. Yeah, well, uh, listen, you know. I already hoisted myself on that one. <laughs> I guess I'm a better friend. I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's an actual play RPG podcast. I uh, GM it. Molly's on it. Uh, we're playing Idol on Become Your Best Self, a game me and Molly wrote together. It's a good time. Uh, you can also find me on an uh, MCU Complete Me, where right now we're doing the miniseries The Matrix Has You at Hello. Uh, as of this recording, we just released our episode on Matrix Reloaded, which had a uh, friend of Molly Jackson on it. Damn, friend of Molly. Damn. Well, they are, aren't they? <laughs> friend of the show. All right. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to presume. I, I don't know. You've... Whatever. <laughs> just felt just felt very like, well, I don't like them, so... No, uh, no. I don't know. Molly Jackson, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't hang out with them much. <laughs> I mostly know them through you. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, I've been on a couple episodes of Teenagers with Attitude lately. We're doing our, our end of year 
bonus pod about some dumb movie I liked as a kid, which this year is Small Soldiers. Did not care for that movie as a kid, I won't lie to you. Mm -hmm. Scared the Mm -hmm. shit out of me when I was a kid. (laughs) Because those guys were mean. Yeah, they are. They, those are some murderous toys. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that's it for me. Okay, uh, Ashley. You can find me at Yuri Librarian with an underscore on Twitter and a dash on Tumblr and Letterboxd. Uh, and you can also find me at patreon.com slash Ashley Lee Minor. Give Ashley your fucking money. Give Ashley your fucking money. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at your friend Molly, the Y-E-R. Uh, you can find me at audioentropy.com, I need mail.com, uh, the second best game.club. Journal updated. Uh, don't worry, you don't have to listen to me talk about Dragon Age yet, because we're going to talk about Portal first. Great. <laughs> a good game. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's it. You can find me on Eidolon. Luke already talked about that, though. Yeah. You can go to audioentropy.com. Have that donate button in the upper right-hand corner of the website. Give us a little money for hosting for the website. Thank you, everybody who has, everybody who will. Appreciate that. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends to watch Twin Peaks with us. Yeah. Uh, and not to be weird about um, the killer. Because <laughs> it uh-huh. doesn't matter. <laughs> because it's Bob. That's not why we're here. <laughs> I'm here to watch a man shove a big sandwich in his mouth <laughs> and not take a, and not be able to swallow it. This has happened two episodes in a row. First Harry, now Ben. <laughs> It's true. That's Who's going to take a big bite of something next week? That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's the real mystery. That's. Well, Every tune week, in next time has... <laughs> when we talk about Twin Peaks episode three, a.k.a. episode four, a.k.a. Rest in Pain. <laughs> Shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, yeah, good shit. Uh, good shit, OP. Um. Yeah, go go ahead, Ashley. Get us out of here. Uh, until next time, damn fine podcast. <laughs>